Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Improve Me podcast. I've been asked a few times now, so I'm just going to put it out there so you all know. New episodes of the podcast are always released at 5 a.m. on a Monday morning barring the odd rare exception, and also that's Sydney Australia time. Uh, We just went through daylight savings, so depending where you are, it might be available an hour earlier than used to getting it. Now today is going to be my second science fact, and that's all about colour blindness. I'm going to talk to you about the different types of colour blindness, the dangers associated with it, the frustrations, and also the limitations of being colour blind. I'll be talking about gender and genetics and how you can adapt if you are colorblind. And I'll especially be talking about the advantages and benefits of being colorblind. I'll also throw in my own little story because I am in fact colorblind. So what does it mean to be colorblind? You probably think that if you're colorblind, you can't see colors at all. And unless you actually know someone who is colorblind, you probably don't know that there are several different types of colorblindness. Most forms of colorblindness, you can actually see color. Now, I've been colorblind my whole life, and I didn't even have an understanding of what it really was or what it meant until I was well into my adulthood. So there's red-green colorblindness, the most common type of colorblindness, and it makes it hard to tell the difference between red and green. And there are four types of red-green colorblindness, and I'll explain you know, why I don't actually completely agree with that. The first one is due to anomaly. That is the most common type of red-green colorblindness, and it makes green look red. This type is fairly mild and doesn't usually get in the way of normal activities. The second type is protonomaly, and that makes red look green and also less bright. This type is also mild and doesn't usually get in the way of normal activities either. Then there's protonopia and deuteranopia. Both make you unable to see red or green at all. Now my type of color blindness is red-green, and even though I've gone through those four types of red-green color blindness, I don't believe that my type of color blindness is in that group that I've listed. The way I'm colorblind in red and green, well, it's, it's really mild, and none of those accurately describe the symptoms that I have. Shapes, colors, or words are more difficult for me to see when red and green are mixed together, but I can still usually make them out, but I might need to look a little bit harder or concentrate a bit more. And that can also happen you know, when red and greens mix with some other colors as well, but only in really specific circumstances, which I'll get into a bit more later. Now there's another type of color blindness, which is blue-yellow color blindness. This is less common, and it makes it hard to tell the difference between blue and green, but also between yellow and red. And there are two types of blue-yellow color blindness. One is tritonomaly, Uh, That makes it hard to tell the difference between blue and green and between yellow and red. And then there's tritonopia, and that makes you unable to tell the difference between blue and green, purple and red, and yellow and pink. And that one also makes the colors look less bright. So what are the dangers and limitations and common frustrations that people with color blindness experience? Well, the obvious one is traffic lights. So what are the dangers and limitations and common frustrations that colorblind people experience? 
there are certain situations where getting the colors right really does matter or can even be critical and a good example of that would be traffic lights with around one in 14 men being red green colorblind the risk of misinterpreting a red light and green light becomes pretty obvious I personally do not have any issue whatsoever differentiating red and green traffic lights. However, some people report that the older style of, of traffic lights, the, the bulb style, can be more difficult to identify, but not so much the more modern LED types. And I can still remember those older style bulbs, and I never had an issue telling the difference between them either. Now, being in Australia, sunburn is a real issue and I'm sure nobody associates being colorblind as a cause of skin cancer. But if you suffer colorblindness, there's a chance that you've gotten yourself a little bit too burnt going to the beach or working outdoors on, on at least one occasion. I mean, I definitely have, although I'm quite sure that being colorblind didn't really play a, a major part. Pretty much everyone I know has, has gotten sunburn at least once. Now my color blindness is relatively mild and I can definitely see the redness in mine or someone else's skin when I'm outdoors. So color blindness may not seem like much of an issue when you feel like you're going to the beach, but you should always be extra careful to protect yourself and your skin. And remember that by the time you start to look burnt, you're probably well and truly sunburnt. And, and this is particularly important in Australia because our the ozone layer above Australia is thinner. Most people think that there's actually a hole, but it's not a hole, it's just thinner. So we're particularly susceptible to sunburn in Australia. Color blindness and food. For someone with low severity red-green color blindness like myself, cooking issues are just non-existent. But if you're affected by this, it could be a cause of embarrassment. When cooking for friends, if you burn the steaks or snags, or worse still, undercook them, and I can't speak for other countries, but in Australia, you'll never live that down. So for those with a high level of severity, the ability to discern the difference between citrus fruits like oranges, lemons and limes may well lead to some embarrassing situations. And that's another thing that's never happened with me either. But there are some products like tomatoes that are a little bit more serious. And what I mean by that is the ability to detect whether or not the tomato is ripe. And there are definitely some fresh fruits and vegetables that could cause an upset stomach if accidentally eaten unripe or worse if they've even spoiled. So steps need to be taken so you don't find yourself vulnerable to those situations. Now there are other frustrations that are less severe and you can imagine that given we live in a coloured world the list of possible situations where colour blindness could offer some sort of disadvantage are, are basically endless. And Obviously I'm not going to list them all but a few common ones are when children are colouring in and it it could be embarrassing for a child to unknowingly, for example, colour the sky purple. Weather forecasts. The weather on TV still uses shades of blue, green and brown that colourblind men and women might struggle to identify. Scientific tests. Many tests, such as litmus paper tests, require the ability to detect a change in colour to validate findings. And then you've got things like clothing where choosing or buying clothes with complementary colours could be quite challenging, and that could also lead to embarrassment. Now, this information paints a pretty grim picture for anyone with colour blindness. However, it's important to remember that most colour blind people were born that way and have lived with it their entire lives and adapted to these disadvantages from a really young age. In fact, with exception of total colour blindness, being colour blind is probably the least detrimental eye problem or illness that exists for eyes. So can women be colour blind? The primary cause of colour blindness is a lack of light sensitive pigments in the cones of the eyes. And this inherited, i.e. genetic condition, 
affects mainly males, but females can also be colorblind. So color blindness is primarily an inherited condition, meaning that it occurs due to genetics. However, there are some non-genetic causes of color blindness, like diabetes, certain eye conditions, and also neurological conditions. The most common form of color blindness is red-green color blindness. With this condition, the gene is passed from the parent to the child on the X chromosome. And globally, one in 12 males or one in 200 females are colorblind. Current research states that color blindness affects roughly 8% of Caucasian males. And according to a fairly large ethnic study done in 2014, color blindness also affects 1.4% of African American males, 2.6% of Hispanic males, 3.1% of Asian males, and half a percent of all females. So to understand why sex matters and why males are more likely to be colorblind, let's have a look at how the genetics work. Biological females have two X chromosomes and biological males have XY chromosomes. The gene for red-green colorblind is on the X-linked recessive gene. And X-linked recessive genes are expressed if they're present on both X chromosomes in females and only one X chromosome in males. So a child-born female would need to inherit two X chromosomes with the carrier gene to be born colorblind. And a child-born male only needs to inherit one X chromosome with the carrier gene to be born colorblind. So colorblindness isn't common in females because there's a low likelihood that a female will inherit both genes required for the condition. However, since only one gene is needed for red-green colorblindness in males, that's why it's way more common. So why does it happen? In people with normal color vision, there are photoreceptors in the eyes called cones and they have pigments responsible for sensing different wavelengths of light. These light sensing pigments help the eyes differentiate between different shades of color. In people with color blindness, the lack of certain pigments means the eyes can't differentiate between shades of colors. And there are multiple types of color blindness and each type is distinguished by the cones that are affected. In some cases, color blindness is caused by altered sensitivity to the cones. And in other cases, one of the cones has no light sensitivity at all leaving only two functional cones. And in really rare cases, all three cones are missing their light sensitivity, which results in vision with no color whatsoever. So how do we adapt? If you have color blindness, you might need to make changes in your everyday life to adapt to your condition. But chances are you already have adapted, probably since childhood. But you can still prioritize good lighting. The cones in your eyes only function in daylight, which means that when lighting is poor, it's harder to see color. If you have color blindness, poor lighting can make it even harder to distinguish between colors. And it's important to make sure that your home and workplace is adequately lit for those reasons. Now, when it comes to clothing, simple tasks like choosing an outfit to wear, that can be difficult if you're colorblind. If you're shopping for new clothes, you can shop with a friend who can differentiate colors. That can be helpful you know, when you're trying to build a wardrobe and color coding you know, with labels or sections can also make it easy to differentiate between the clothes you already have. When it comes to cooking, how many times have you heard someone say, cook the chicken until it's no longer pink, or bake the muffins until they're brown? For some people with color blindness, it's difficult or even impossible to follow visual cues like that. So if you're colorblind, relying on temperature, touch, and even sound while cooking can help you in these areas where your vision can't. Now, most modern electronics like phones, laptops, TVs, 
they offer accessibility options for people with disabilities. If you have color blindness, you might be able to take advantage of some different color settings on those devices. This can make it easier to navigate without being able to see the original colors. There's a million apps out there, so take advantage of those. They can offer accessibility in your everyday life. For example, there's an iPhone app called Colorblind Pal, and that helps colorblind people distinguish between different colors in pictures. You can use apps for help with everyday tasks that require color differentiation, like choosing outfits to wear or picking out fresh produce to eat. And having color blindness can also affect your professional life. Certain career paths that rely on color acuity, such as being a hairstylist or interior designer, they're gonna be more difficult for a colorblind person to pursue. Having said that, there are plenty of careers that will allow you to perform at your best with or without full color vision. And while there's no cure for color blindness, there might be some solutions that can help improve some people's perception of colors. And one potential intervention for color blindness is using visual aids such as glasses or contact lenses. So color blindness is an inherited condition. It's commonly passed down from mother to son, but as I've mentioned, it's possible for females to be color blind as well. There are many types of color blindness that can occur depending on which pigments of the eye are affected. And while there's currently no treatment for color blindness, lifestyle adjustments and medical interventions can help with everyday accessibility for people with this condition. Now, getting back to me, I think I was about seven or eight years old when my oldest brother bought home. It was basically a colorblind test and it was just a, a lot of circles made up of tiny different colored dots. And you've probably seen this sort of test online. But that was a very basic test of sorts, and I couldn't see some of the numbers or letters in some of those situations, or you know whatever the display was. And that's when everyone sort of sat up and thought, well, you know maybe John's colorblind. So off I went and got tested, and all I was told, and all my parents were told, was that I was colorblind in red and green, and that meant I couldn't be a train driver. That's literally the entirety of the information that was given to us. Now, I was pretty confused because as far as I was concerned, I could see red and I could also see green. And there wasn't ever any confusion about that. I knew that in certain circumstances it did affect me, but only in rare, fairly unimportant ways. And an example I can give you was one day in autumn or fall for the Americans listening. I remember my parents perfectly manicured back lawn and I saw a single red leaf on this sea of green grass. And then whilst I was looking at it, suddenly another one appeared and another and another. And, and after a few seconds, I could see about 10 red leaves on the lawn, all quite close together. I think that was the moment I realized that my level of color blindness was, was fairly limited and only really an issue if I was you know, specifically mixing red and green colors. I mean, I could clearly see traffic lights. I could clearly see them change from green to amber to red. So I thought that was the extent of it. And, you know, that's what I believed for years. And I didn't realize until later in life, but my entire life up until a certain point, I didn't understand camouflage, military vehicles, planes, buildings, whatever. They were painted that mismatch of greens and browns. And to me, they might as well have been painted, you know, bright fluorescent pink. I couldn't understand why it was effective. I couldn't understand why they would even do it in the first place. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now that leads me on to my next point, the advantages of being colorblind. So far, all I've spoken about are the problems that come with being colorblind. However, there is some good news. There are also advantages, and I'm going to share them with you now. There is a belief in the science world that there is a reason why natural selection hasn't completely removed red-green color blindness. So are the circumstances where this trait provides an evolutionary advantage or benefit? People with red-green color blindness can differentiate between much more shades of khaki than unaffected people, and this helps detecting camouflage in a green environment. So camouflage doesn't work on me at all. I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, it's completely useless and totally ineffectual. Colorblind people also have the tendency to have much better night vision, and in some situations, they can even perceive variations in luminosity that color-sighted people just can't see. Outlines rather than colors are responsible for pattern recognition, and in the military, colorblind snipers and spotters were highly valued for those reasons. During the Second World War, it was suggested that colorblind observers could often penetrate camouflage that deceived the normal observer. So um, what are you thinking? Camouflage, big deal, that's it. It's not really much of an advantage in this day and age, right? However, colorblind people can save more money. There's really only one way to save money. You have to spend less than you earn. And advertising is big business. No doubt about that. Everyone knows it. It's everywhere in all sorts of forms. When you surf the internet, you bombard with ads. They're on TV and literally everywhere else. Ads have one big main goal, and that goal is to convince you to buy the product or service. That's it. According to some finance website, the average person spends around $161 a month on clothes. Women spend nearly 76% more than men do on clothing in a year. Now, color meaning and the psychology of colors can powerfully impact people's behavior and decision-making. People make subconscious judgments about a product within just a few seconds, and color plays into that initial impression. Advertising companies know certain colors, certain tints, hues, and shades will evoke emotion and move people to action. The effect is really subtle, but also quite powerful. Now, have you ever noticed why most of the fast food joints have red and yellow logos? Apparently, yellow makes you hungry, and red acts as its companion to get your brain thinking about food. I've also read long ago that the color red also elicits feelings of like home home style cooking when it comes to food, and that's all happening on a subconscious level, right? So think of how many fast food logos that have red and yellow, or say orange and pink. We all know McDonald's, aka Macca's if you're Australian, or Mickey D's if you're American. What about Burger King or Dunkin' Donuts, Jack in the Box, Wendy's, Denny's? Also, KFC, Nando's, Pizza Hut, Arby's, Coca-Cola. This isn't a fluke, people. They know their shit. They know and actively try to tap into our subconscious. 
The most common colours used in advertising are red, green, orange, blue and purple. And guess what? People with colour deficiency can't see most of those colours in the same way that others do, and advertisers can't make them take action to buy unnecessary products. So colourblind people typically spend less and save more because we can't be influenced in the same way. Now that's evolutionary. Now colourblind people actually see more details if you're looking at an image. Imagine you're looking at an image of a beautiful sunset and you're probably staring at the colours of the sunset, the different shades of colours on the clouds, whilst you're enjoying all that natural beauty. People with normal colour vision might describe a picture of a sunset by saying, you know, I see all these beautiful yellows and reds and oranges, the purple colours, oh look, there's you know dark bluish greys on the clouds. I just noticed them, they're so pretty. Oh look, is that a bridge? I, Jeez, I didn't even notice that till now. Where a colourblind person might say, it's a sunset, it could be a sunrise, it's not that different for me. There's a bridge between the fog and the clouds, I can see some lights underneath the bridge, it's really pretty. So as you can see, normal vision people spend more time seeing slash being distracted by the colours of the sunset and slowly move to the other details of the image. People with a colour deficiency are not so interested in describing the colours, but we're mostly concentrating on seeing patterns and shapes like the bridge. This can also happen when normal vision people go to like a, a forest and start looking at all the colours around nature, like the leaves and the flowers, while a colour deficient person might, you know, see other things like, you know, like the insects or other detail. Now there are plenty of successful colourblind people out there. The finely tuned human brain has a keen ability to recognise a multitude of colours, but the basic ability may be robbing you of productivity. Somewhere in our evolutionary past, we probably had to be able to tell good fruits from bad fruits, nuts and other sources, and our ability to distinguish colour played a big role in that. But now that whole hunter-gatherer lifestyle isn't really a thing anymore. Now intelligence is linked to the ability to ignore distractions, and colours can affect our concentration. People with colour deficiency have fewer problems with colours and get distracted less than other people. It helps us to focus on specific tasks without distraction, which is crucial in any part of success. And there's a, I'll, I'll list a few people here that do have a colour deficiency, some famous people. Bill Clinton, Keanu Reeves, Mark Zuckerberg, Prince William of Windsor. Now, colourblind people have quote-unquote exercised memory. What causes some people to lose their memory while other people stay sharp as a tack? Well, genes are going to play a role but also so do choices. Proven ways to protect your memory include following a healthy diet, exercising regularly, not smoking and so on, all the boring shit you already know. But do you remember the last time you memorized something, even a phone number? With technology at our fingertips, we don't need to commit much of anything to memory anymore. And according to a Harvard Health Publishing, living a mentally active life is important too. Just as muscles grow stronger as you exercise them, mental exercise helps keep mental skills and memory in check. Learning a new language and other activities that strain your brain are better bets, right? And also really good for cognitive reserve, which I spoke about in a previous episode. Colors are like a new language for people with color deficiency because they tend to memorize the colors of everything around them, like different flowers or fruits, colors of their clothing, etc. People with colour deficiency need to learn tricks to avoid colour-related conversations, and those of them that have colour-related careers need to learn so much more about colours and learn how to use them correctly in their projects. 
From these examples, you can see how people with colour deficiency use their memory more than people with normal vision. Educators have found that students who were required to memorise from an early age often go on to have more capacity to focus later in life. Now, colourblind people tend to waste less time. According to data collected by a US Census, the average person in the US from you know 15 years of age or older, they generally spent um, about 10 hours shopping for consumer goods per month. And you know you can add a few hours to that number for transportation, you know, going to and from the shops and coming back and all that sort of stuff if you're not doing all your shopping online. Now, clothes are tricky because often, you know, they indicate first impressions for people. Figuring out what to wear to work, especially in office, that's where everything needs to be presentable, you know, in, in most cases. You know, your shoes need to match your belt, your shirt needs to match your pants, and all those other unspoken rules of fashion. Yawn. Some of us have spent hours staring at our closets, drawers, cabinets, and deciding what to wear, but not people with color deficiency. They usually wear black, white, gray, and blue colors that match almost all other colors. So colorblind people save a lot of time and a lot of stress every day just from that. As much as it's a good thing to save time in life if you're colorblind, be aware of the consequences of being a bad dresser. It can potentially affect your relationship, your friendships, communication, and even your position in the company. Now, it's also said that people with color deficiency are unique. That's, that's kind of a dumb term because literally everyone is unique. Uh, and you know it, it annoys me when that term is thrown out at a certain group of people because it, it, literally everyone is unique. However, color deficiency people where they're missing out on seeing some colors, they're, they're true believers because depending on your level of deficiency, colorblind people have to rely on what other people say about colors. It's like a blind belief in the, in the existence of colors. And you know, they're not able to, because they're not able to see them. You know, they have to believe in colors like purple and pink and green. And again, depending on your types of color blindness, right? This can be similar to what religious people or believers experience. Maybe they can't see God, but they can see the signs of a bigger power. Now, people with color blindness or color deficiency, apparently most people with color deficiency keep their condition a secret or don't even know about it, like me for many years. They might avoid conversations about colors while other people openly talk about it. Having a different vision helps colorblind people to understand others better, especially those that are different in society. That's particularly interesting to me because I've always felt like I've had a really, really high level of empathy, like actually too much. Most people with some sort of color deficiency, they've got some sort of funny story that happened to them at some point in life relating to their color blindness. Colorblind people often have a story about you know weird questions that people ask them, you know, querying them about their color blindness. Not really me because I've never really had that issue. Colorblind people can be successful artists. There are a few famous colorblind artists that have a really unique style. And some of these artists learned how to work with colors so professionally that nobody in the world would even guess that they were colorblind. While other colorblind artists show a tendency to concentrate on shape and design more, than, more so than colors, they'll still manage to bring a lot of creative and unique artworks to the world. Often when people hear that an artist is colorblind, they get really excited and they actually look at the artwork differently. Being colorblind can't prevent you from being an artist or a designer. See it as a path that will lead you to a different kind of creativity. Now, more than 350 million people, or about 4.5% of the world's population, are colorblind. 
as a normally sighted person, it's hard to imagine you know, your work is going to look like to a colorblind eye. So many companies need to hire a colorblind person to make sure that their products or services are colorblind friendly. So to summarize benefits of being colorblind, colorblind people are not easily fooled by camouflage, colorblind people have better night vision, they can better distinguish textures and patterns, they're less affected by advertising, colorblind people actually see more details in the whole image, and people with a color deficiency are less distracted by colors so they can have a better level of concentration. Colorblind people have exercise memory because they memorize the color of so many things in the environment. So are there any treatments currently for color blindness? Well, no, there are no preventative treatments because it's genetic. Having said that, colored filters, glasses, contact lenses have all been introduced and they can alter someone's color perception. They might allow the wearer to see a few more colors or you know, colors nearer to how a person with normal vision would see them, but it doesn't really solve the issue. Color blindness has the ability to affect so many aspects of our life, but you can learn tips and tricks. There are online training courses designed for colorblind people. You know, you can buy those glasses to help, but if it's quite mild like my symptoms are, it may not affect you in a negative way at all. Plus, you basically have secret powers normally vision people don't have. So that's it for this episode. Hopefully you found it interesting. If you've been referred to the podcast or just stumbled across it, I've got a growing back catalogue of episodes, so please check them out. I'd really love a five-star rating. That helps push the podcast higher up the list on searches and make it more easily found. And of course, send your friends or family a link. Tell them all about it if you think they can benefit from the information, or even if you think they might be just interested in that particular topic. You might find that the improvements you're trying to make towards a better life are easier if you've got a podcast buddy that's on the same journey as you. So add an incentive to share the link. And remember to email me if you have any episode suggestions or even if you just want to say hi, give me any feedback. I'm quite happy to take negative feedback if you if you something you didn't like about the podcast, tell me. Now the podcast email address is improvemepodcast at outlook.com. And finally, <laughs> you know what I'm gonna say try to imitate my blood type and be positive. Now because we live in a litigious world where some people refuse to take responsibility for their own actions and are always looking for someone else to blame, I'm forced to remind you that this podcast is for knowledge and entertainment purposes only. Always consult a qualified professional before taking any health, psychological, pharmaceutical, mental or physical advice. Never rely on information from a podcast.